hey, this is your life, man, this big old long rope. Look at this, man. And this ain't just the life of an old person, all right? So this is your life. Look at this, man. It's flying by, your life. And um, it's not just good to have a visual of your life, right? And um, just to really see it all in perspective. My goodness, how long is this thing? Um, again, this isn't the life of, a, of an old person. This could be the life of the youngest person, Gabriel, the little baby that's just heading down there. It could be its life. And this is our life right here. And I'm almost to the part where we are at right now, which is that. Um, this is our life. Uh, and, and again, everybody here ha is going to live eternally. Did you know that? Everybody in the universe is going to live forever in one or two places. The Bible teaches us that we're either going to live forever in heaven or we're going to live forever in hell. Uh, those who somehow have the idea that they can um, talk their way into heaven or, or be an attorney and convince God that they were better than other people or somehow they have convinced themselves that they will stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and, and be able to get in on their own merit. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Uh, if you read the Great White Throne Judgment in Revelation, it says, that the people who decided that they were going to try to get on on their own merits, man, that um, they were all thrown into the lake of fire. In fact, before it even happened, they saw a great white throne. And when they saw Christ, who was actually on it, man, they were terrified. And it says they ran and cried for the rocks to fall on them. What a terrible mistake they had made. And the rocks didn't fall on them. They were going to have to face their maker, as everyone is going to have to do. And we were either going to live in heaven eternally or we will live in hell eternally. But in Revelation, it also talks about, and all through Scripture, it talks about those who realize that they're not good enough, that they're not perfect, that our works are never going to be enough to... Uh, be a sacrifice worthy enough for God to allow us into heaven based on the, those who realize that we're not going to be able to get on our own merits. We then surrender our lives to Christ and we understand through grace that he's now given us the option to have what Christ did on the cross applied to us. And did Christ, when he was on this earth, did how many times did Christ sin? None. And yet he died the death of a sinner. He was the final sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that not only covered the sins, but took away the sins of the world. And so if you are a believer, what has happened is at some point in your life, he gave you the desire and ability to believe that you were not good enough, that by your one sin, according to, to Romans uh, 6.23, the wages of sin is eternal death. He's, he gave you the ability to believe that you couldn't get in your own merits, but that God wanted to save you through what Christ did on the cross. And if you would surrender yourself to him, that perfect life, that perfect sacrifice, the only one God said he would accept would now cover you and be applied to you. So there's only one way in. So for those of us that are believers, man, our, this may be our life right now, but all of this is our eternal life. And so, Chris, where's this eternal life going to be for you, bro? Heaven. Heaven. Is it because you're good enough? No, man, it's because God gave you the desire and ability. That's, by the way, the definition of grace. He gave you the desire and ability to surrender yourself to him and how what Christ did on the cross applied to you. And so how, how many of you can say, again, hey, where's your, where are you going to spend eternity? Once you're done with this, right here, once you're done with this, this is where we're living right now, all right? And we're going to talk about this a lot in the life of Abraham. But once you're done with this, where, where are you going to spend eternity? How come? 
Because of Christ. What do you get? And Ann, how about you, man? Where are you spending eternity? Heaven, baby. Is it because you're awesome and perfect? <laughs> awesome, but maybe not perfect, all right? Yeah. Hey, is anybody here perfect? Anybody perfect? Please raise your hand, because that will make you imperfect right there. All right? You just lied. So you're, so, so you're not anymore, right? But so if you have Christ, man, is this it? Is this what we live for? Is this where everything, is this all that matters? But yet in our everyday life, and that's who I'm speaking to right now, our believers, if you're not a believer and God has given you the desire and ability to believe that you need Christ for salvation, because you are going to live forever somewhere, man, don't reject that today. Just surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. Is there anybody here that has ever done that? Surrendered everything they known about themselves, everything they knew about Christ, and wish they hadn't. How many of you would say, Debbie, would you say that is the worst thing I ever did in my life? If I could go back, I'd never do it again. No, I would not go back. You wouldn't go back. Roger, what would you do? Absolutely. Absolutely not. How long have you been saved for? Two years. And how long were you not saved for? Sixty-seven. Now you know how old he is. But, <laughs> but he wouldn't take any of that 67 years back for that two years that he's got right now. Dude, this isn't what it's about. And we got to realize we can't keep making it about this. It's about the rest here. You know, you've heard the saying before where people talk about, oh, they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Well, I guess that might be true in some respects. I don't know. Apostle Paul said for me to live is what? Christ. For me to live is Christ. To die is? It's better. In other words, everything about it. We were talking about what's that term that comedian used? Oversaved. Dude, I am so honored to be oversaved. Man, I want it for everything I live for, I want it to be Christ, man. Everything I see through here, I want to see it through the perspective of the rest of all of this, man. And, and so it's about this. I say that if you're not heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. You hear that? If you're not heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good because all you're seeing life from is this perspective. All you're looking at is all the circumstances. You're looking at figuring out everything. How many of y'all got everything figured out? How many of you older you got, you realize the less you know? You know what I'm saying? When you're young, yeah, you're like, dude, yeah, I'm not making the same mistakes them old people made, right, Jared? <laughs> yeah, you will, bro. You're just going to realize that's why we live for this, man. Do it now. <laughs> and you guys are engaged. Dude, learn from their mistakes. Y'all made a few mistakes, right? And you're learning from their mistakes, right? And if you need to, you can learn from my, and my wife's mistakes, all right? Learn in all of this. So we're going to be looking, we're continuing in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. And, and what he tells us in the, in the next chapter, he says, all those people are a cloud of witnesses. That doesn't mean there's a stadium of all these great people of God looking down on us, cheering us on. Oh, good job, Karen. That's not what it means. A witness is somebody that can testify as to what they know. And so what that cloud of witnesses means is if you're ever wondering if following God works, you can look to their lives and you can see. They are living, they are proof that following God works. Having faith in God works. You can't say you don't have proof from anyone else. So how do you know if you are really following in faith? How do you know? That's what we're going to kind of kind of look at today, all right? And Jared, I haven't really picked on you too much here. Man, come here. Come here. Help me follow. Uh, Jared, I just want you to follow me, okay? Follow, follow me, okay? All right, good, good, good. Follow me, all right? 
Follow me. Come on. Follow me. I just can see how good. All right, go sit down, man. Did you see a couple of things about following? A couple of things about following. Jared, did you have a clue where I was going? Nope. Did you have a clue? Did we rehearse it that we were going to do this and we were going to do this and we were going to do this? No. When you're following somebody, you have no clue where you're going. If you have a clue where you're going, if you know where you're going, and you already know what's up next, are you follow, do you need to follow? No. No. But isn't that what has happened in many of our Christian lives? We've got them so mapped out, so planned out, based on biblical principles, and here's our Christian life. And when God tries to take us off course of our course, we're like, no! I already know where I'm going. I'm doing it for you, Lord. <laughs> I'm going your way. He's like, no, dude. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're supposed to be doing, right? Zane, we don't know where we're going. We know we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? It's simple. Make disciples. Hey, everybody, did you hear that? What are we supposed to be doing? Make That's it. As you go into the world, make disciples. That's what Jesus said right before he skyrocketed up in the ascension. The last job. You know, you can do all these other things, but when you stand before him, he's going to say, I gave you one job. <laughs> you had one. How many of y'all know somebody who had one thing to do and they got it wrong? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, that's me sometimes. Ask my wife. <laughs> one thing. God, I gave you one thing. <laughs> and, and I got it wrong. God gave us one thing to make disciples. He says, and, and that's what's going to determine whether when we see him, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, which our hearts want if we love him in that. And so he says, go into, as you're going into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's talking about the fellowship we have here. I'm not preaching all that today, but he says, in case you don't know what making disciples is, he said, it's teaching others to observe what I have taught you. So if you haven't learned anything from God this morning, if you haven't been in the word, if you haven't been walking in faith, you've got nothing to teach and you can't make disciples. So here's the disciple making process. We walk every moment of every day with him saying, what do you want me to do now, God? Doing it. And as we do that, what happens, Laura? I saw you looking at your phone, so I'm just going to pick on you. What, what, happens, what happens when we do that? You just told me. If you, if you want to see God's perspective, what do you, what do you have to do? Look for, Look for it. But when you're too busy looking here and you're too busy looking at your goals, your plans, your future, when your life is about here and the right here and now and you, you're in big trouble. He didn't leave us here to do that. He left us here to follow him. And if you're following, you don't know where you're going, but you know what you're doing. And what are we doing, Chris? Making disciples, right? We're making disciples. So you don't know where you're... Where, it, it, so how do you know if you're really following in faith? Um, the other thing is, Jared, did you know how long we were going to do this? You didn't know how long we were going to do it. We could have done it for the whole time. And, and in fact, I see the clock. It's about 24. Three after. Nobody changed that clock. To, it's, it's really right, right? right? Uh, we could have done this the whole time, and then I could have started preaching at 11, right? Not that you'd have still been here. You could have probably left, but, but you didn't know how long we were going to do it. And so how many of you have ever given God a timetable? You know what I'm saying? You prayed. You prayed. You know you have a desire from God, and he's not meeting your needs. He's not coming through. And you go a different route. Hopefully you didn't do that. Hopefully you just keep going. You just keep. Christine, I still think I'm so excited. I'm not bragging on you. I'm bragging about the God in you. 
Man, how many times did you come down? You've had a desire to move here from upstate New York for, for how long? Three years. And you knew God wanted you to move here for three years. But when did you get to move here, Mike? He, when did she get to move here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how God works through our authority, okay? But anyway. Just saying. But, but what was the side factor? The right job, the right timing. I mean, there were different reasons each time. No. And, you know, and, and, you know, and yeah, it's true. Yeah. Too tired of yeah. And that's what happens when we're here. When we're looking at life this way, you're tired of waiting. You're tired. Man, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to justify what the Bible says in Proverbs. We can justify anything. <laughs> Say, how long did it take for God to bring you back to Driftwood? A year. There's waiting that has to be gone. Did you learn things in that year that you couldn't have learned anywhere else? I see Christy rolling her eyes. <laughs> Christy, when did you want to be here a year ago, right? And, and, but you've got to wait on God, and there's things that happen, and there's so much to be said about patience, enduring joyfully under a heavy load. And then you guys, Seth, Charlotte, you guys just been wandering around, wandering around, had your plans, and all of a sudden, God just all of a sudden plucked you up and said, boom, you're here. And you got Florida driver's license now, don't you? Yeah, dude, you're here. And by the way, raise your hand. Seth and Charlotte will be leading a Bible study here Tuesday night um, at 6.30, right? Okay, cool. And uh, as we start a new one in Port St. Lucie uh, West, Port St. Lucie West uh, on Tuesday night also. All right, so how do you know if you're really following? Uh, two things, I think, and we've talked about these, but I want you to, I want to reiterate them through Abraham's life. One, followers don't what? Help me out. They don't know where they're going. And how many of y'all, like, I get frustrated when you don't know where you're going? Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? It's okay. <laughs> Abraham didn't know where he's going. I'll prove it to you here. Now, again, I'm not saying that we just wander around aimlessly. I'm not saying that we don't, you know, Zane, you were at work. Your boss is like, hey, uh, where are you at? And you're like, I don't know, dude. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just kind of. Now, are you going to get to that job site? I don't know, man. Let's see if God wants me to get there. Okay, well, let's see if God wants to provide a paycheck. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God puts us in certain positions in our life. Abraham, even. He had certain situations, times where he was here, times where he was there, times where he was there. But he wasn't, a, he wasn't in the final place that, he, that God had promised him. And, and so where, if you know God's got you where he wants you right now, you don't know how long that's going to last. And, and, and you probably didn't even know you were going to end up here. How many of y'all ended up here and didn't really know you were going to end up here? Yeah, I'm raising my hand. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Debbie, Debbie found you downstairs, right, Joe? Uh, Joe, Joe? Johnny. Johnny, Johnny 3, Johnny C. Yeah. There's a Johnny A, a Johnny B, and a Johnny C. I got that, bro. Yeah. Right on. So, so he was downstairs, and Debbie found him and brought him up. You didn't know you were going to be here, but God knew you were going to be here. So the bottom line is we need to be sensitive as to what God wants us to do. Again, what do you want me to do now, God, is one step, and doing it is the next step. We've been over this a million times, and all you're doing is what do you want me to do now, God? You're going to dig yourself in a hole going in circles. If all you're doing is doing and not asking God what he wants to do, it's the same thing. Life, a spirit-filled life. What do you want me to do now, God, in doing it? And I guarantee you, hey, Josh, I know you know the answer to this one. It's like, oh, dude, I was just talking to my butt over here. Don't do that. I'll call on you, man. But, but seriously, man, 
uh, if you take each step God wants you to take, where are you going to end up? Say that louder. Where he wants you. Do you guys believe that? That if you take each step God wants you to take, you're going to end up where he wants you? I guarantee you that. You're going to more end up where he wants you than if you set the goal with your little life, you know, carnal life binocular here. And like, I'm going there. You're going to have a harder time getting there than if you just take one step at a time where God wants you. How many of you ever been in a season, a position, a situation where you're just like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this one. Can't wait for life to change. Anybody ever have that? Yeah. Dude, dig the ride. You know, what did Jesus say, man? If you're... You're overwhelmed if your burden's heavy, man. If you're whooped, you're worn out, stick your head in my what? My yoke. You know what a yoke is? It's this piece of wood, and it's got two spots. And if it's his yoke, guess whose head is in one of those yokes? His head. He's a big, giant ox. And you know what you are? You're a little teeny what? Little chihuahua. Your, your feet don't even touch the ground. You're in the other side going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the other side, like struggling. No, we're going this way. We're taking. And, and he's the ox. You're going whatever direction he wants you eventually. You're going to end up in that. So enjoy the ride. We talk about surfing, man. We don't make waves, we ride them. Gary, Gary's going to be trying to make some waves tomorrow, right? Gary's like, I don't know, I'm coming. There ain't no way. They're the best ones to shove kids on, I'm promising you. But if you want to, like, Get on top of Tom's. Where's Tom at? Tom, Gary can get on your shoulders, right? And jump off and do cannonballs and, and make some waves, right? If you are always trying to make the wave, you're never going to enjoy riding it. So, dude, man, just enjoy the ride. God's got it under control. If you are trusting him for eternity, don't you think you can trust him right now? I mean, John, when you're dead, you die, okay? Don't get all theological on me here, but when you die and your body is dead right here, yeah. what can you physically do? You, you can't even nod just say, God, I want to go this way. <laughs> you know, you can't do anything. And who are you trusting completely for the rest of all of this? Him. So why do we think we have to take control here <laughs> in this? Which is what we keep doing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Any of y'all ever take control? Terry, you ever take control, bro? Are, are you ever here, man? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so followers, man, we don't know where we're going. Check this out with Abraham's life right here in, um, in the next verse. It's uh, this is Hebrews 11.8. Uh, Terry, we're doing three verses. You saw that, right? And I didn't even sneak extra verses in there. I didn't. No, no extra verses in there, but... You know how long we go on one verse, right? All right. So Hebrews 11, 8, and uh, it says, by faith, okay? Again, faith is what? Faith, faith is where we believe something is going to happen in the future so much so that it's already, it's already, it's a done deal. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. So by faith, Abraham, the father of the Jewish nations, the guy started, who God used to start it all, it says he obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And look, read with me this last part. And without, not <laughs> Yeah, dude. How many of y'all this morning, husbands, could have like uh, got up, Chris got up this morning, and, and they're assuming you're going to church. And you're like, hey, where are we going? And you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, hey, you come home and say, hey, I quit my job. <laughs> 
Uh, God told me to quit my job, and they're like, oh, where are you going to work? I don't know. <laughs> I'm following God. God told me, Christy, how would that work? <laughs> you're, you're kind of the, you know, yeah, I can see Zane doing it. Zane just like, yeah, dude, whatever God wants. And Christy's like, what? No, you don't have a backup plan? You don't, you don't know where? Could you imagine Abraham telling his wife, we don't know. But can you imagine knowing so sure with everything that is inside you that that's what God wants you to do? Man. Aren't you glad God sometimes gives you just a little more info than Abraham? Did Abraham choose to leave? No, dude, he's in Mesopotamia, somewhere between the Tigris and Euphrates River, and he's in that little area. And I do want you to know, people lived in houses. You found your safety and your strength by being with your family in your fortified little house and, and having your group there. Everybody wasn't a nomad living in tents we'll be talking about. He was there. Everything was safe. He had his business going on in the heyday of his business, probably. So it, it says when he took off and didn't know where he's going, that affected all kinds of people. It affected his family. It affected his employees. It affected lots of people, as we saw. But why did he do it? What's the second word there? By what? Faith. By faith. He just simply believed God said, this is what I want you to do. And with everything in him, he did it. But you know what our problem is today? I don't know about you, this is my problem. Is that, well, where are we going, God? <laughs> How long are we going to be gone? Hey, what time are we getting back? Because i got some things to do, God. I hope this doesn't get in the way of what i got planned for the rest of my life, right? Anybody want to be honest and say that's really where we're at sometimes? When what God really wants is like, just go. It's going to be so awesome if you just go. So by faith, Abraham, look at this. What's that next word? Obeyed. When he was called. Hey, this is an interesting Greek word. Uh, when he was called. Uh, I think, uh, Seth, it's in the present participle, and you're the only one that would care about that right now. But, uh, but what it means is that when God called him, he's jumped into immediate action. Uh, hey, that was you three years ago, Christine. He called you three years ago and you jumped into immediate action. You knew this is what God wanted you to do. So you started making plans to do it. You started seeking his will as to how it was going to be done. It wasn't necessarily one day God said go and you just got up and took off. It was, it, it, there was a process in it. But everything in him was about going once God told him. God said go and now he was on a one track mind. Like you Jack, Jack and Destiny you got your house right? Yeah, y'all give it up, man. We've been praying for their house. How is it, man? Is it everything you dreamed of? Right on. It's way better than a boat. You know, the boat owner, the day they get the boat and the day they, they sell it right there. Yeah, you got it. House is awesome, man. Just build a home, man. I can't wait till you have about a million youngins running around there right there. You change the sink. and no, I'm just joking. Jack's out hunting, getting food, you know, Beverly Hills. No, I'm just joking. But, man, you got that house. What happened when you guys decided you wanted a house? What did you guys focus on? house yeah dude did that not consume you it, it consumed because man now we know god wants us to have a house and we saw it's that kind of focus that god's talking about by faith abraham obeyed and when he was called once he knew what god wanted him to do boom i'm doing it it doesn't mean it's accomplished right now how many of y'all know it takes time to do something dude you do it what, what do they say zig ziglar he said there's time price and quality and you can generally only have two of the three think about that if you don't want to listen to the rest of the message but you can only have two of the three man you want it quick and you want a good price it's not going to be very good you, it takes time 
to do it God's way. Sometimes he works instantly, like when he pushes you out of an airplane. No, I'm just joking. But it takes, it sometimes happens instantly, but sometimes it takes time. And so Abraham, as soon as he knew what God wanted to do, he put all his focus into doing that. And what was he called? He was called to go out to where? A place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're moving in. Where am I going? Oh, to a place. <laughs> now, if God calls you to go to a place, what's your next, what's your next move? Jared, what's your next move? Calls you, hey, Jared, I want you, I want, I want you and Shay to go to a place. Go. Okay, go. All right. And what do you got to figure out? The next, step. the next step. Thank you. You don't have to figure out where that next place is. You got to figure out the next what? Step. The next step. You're a wise man for saying that because so many of us were thinking, oh, we got to figure out where we're going. <laughs> and that's what it says. He didn't know where he's going. You figure out the next step God wants you to, to take. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive. Hey, what does the word was mean? He was to receive. Future. Yeah, it's future. And we don't know how long in the future. It, it ends up, that it, we're, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but he was to receive as an inheritance. It's going to come a long time from now. And he went out not knowing again what? Not knowing, help me out. Where he's going. So if you know God's calling, but you don't know how you're going to get there, you don't know where you're going, you don't, just take what, Zane? The next what? The next step. And if you take every step God wants you to take, where are you going to end up, Josh? Where he wants you to be. You got any doubt about that, Josh? You're a young man. You've got a lot more steps ahead of you than me. Maybe. You might die on the way home. I don't know. Are you going to have <laughs> I'm just saying, but... You got a lot of steps, bro, so the best way to do it is one step at a time. One step at a time, man. And that's what Abraham did. And now, was Abraham perfect? Hey, uh, Carl, when we were reading Genesis, man, and Tom, remember when we, were, when we were all going through Genesis, weren't we amazed at all the stupid things Abraham did? What's one of them that just comes to mind? Oh, no, that was one of his offspring. But they learned it from somewhere. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about, like, not waiting on God and, um, and saying, well, maybe God wants me to, to have a, an affair with, uh, have a child with one of my, my, my wife's servants. Instead, no, that's not God's plan. And he did that. How about when, when he was scared for his own life and... Uh, and, and, and how many times did he do that, Susie? Twice, twice man. Twice he, he, he told everybody, oh, yeah, that's not my wife. Don't kill me. That's my sister. <laughs> yeah, how, do you, how would you like it if you're, hey, Zane, <laughs> Christy, you're there. Well, you're pretty tough. You can protect yourself. But how would you like it if Zane just like, Zane was scared and he's walking off saying, oh, yeah, that's my sister. You know, don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, what a scary thing. I mean, he wasn't perfect. But the fact is that as best he could, he followed God in faith, not knowing the whole big picture. So, um, again, in that, followers don't know where they're going. If you knew where you were going, would you need to follow? I mean, God gives us a map in the Bible. We know we're eventually going to heaven. We know we're supposed to be making disciples. But all those details, the job you're on right now, the neighborhood you're in, the people that he's put you around... 
You, you don't know what the next move is going to be, what the next season of life is going to be, but you do know what you're supposed to do. And what are you supposed to be doing? Make disciples. Making disciples. As simple as that. Wherever he puts you. I'm just sharing with somebody the other day, man, and, and they were kind of talking. I took a youth group out camp uh, paddleboarding with me the other day. Twelve 12 people from Puerto Rico, which, by the way, keep praying for Puerto Rico because many people there still don't have electric. Eight months later. It's crazy. But they were talking about how God had put them in different places. and They were amazed to see how God was working. And I kept thinking about God said, you're the light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And he's the master of the lampstand. And wherever he needs to put you on fire, he's going to put you right there. Right, Tom? Wherever it is, whose choice is it where he puts you, bro? It's his choice. And is there anybody going to mess up where he wants to put you? Is there anybody going to get in the way of that? No. He's going to put you exactly where he wants you. And when you get there, we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to make what? Disciples. Disciples, which is helping each other see life from God's perspective. So followers don't know what it's going to take, but, um, uh, or they don't, know, they don't know where they're going. What's the next part? Followers don't know what? How long it's going to take. They don't know how long it's going to take. And um, we already talked about how we get impatient with God. And how God doesn't always work on our timeline. But God, I've been promising. God, I did this. God, I did that. And you haven't. And you know what? God is not on our timeline. And besides, you know what? Uh, in the book of Romans, what Paul said, chapter 8, I want to say right around verse, is it verse 16 or 17, Seth? Where he says, but the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us one day. You know what? Even if this life right here was the most miserable I mean, nobody had a more miserable life than this. This right here is going to disappear one day and be nothing compared to what you're going to have in heaven for how long? Forever. Where you're standing face to face, sitting at Jesus' feet, and you're going to see God in all his full glory, which right now you couldn't even handle his backside. Ask Moses. Literally, man, this is nothing. And he says, man, everything he brings in your life. What is, what is the next part of that Romans? Anybody know Romans 8, 28 offhand? You got a little pillow crocheted or something with it? Anybody got that? And we, help me out if you know this. And we know that what? All things. What's that? What's oh, all things? What's excluded in there? Pretty much nothing. Yeah, and she's a CPA, so she knows. She knows about exclusions and all that, right? Pretty much nothing's excluded. We know that all things do what? Work together for, for what? For good. For good. Now, that doesn't mean it is good. I karate chopped you and went, whoop, in the face. That would not be good, but it'd work together for good. All right? It would work together for good. So, to who? To those who what? Are called uh, according to his purpose and who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, we know that, but what does the next verse say? What does he say the good is in this? We know that first verse and we want to apply it and try to find the silver lining in everything, but that's not what that verse is about. The, the verse is about the, the next verse. And the next verse says the purpose of it is so that we become more and more like who? Christ. Like Christ. So if God put on my heart to kick you in the face, which he had, I, I don't think he's going to, it would be good to make you more like Christ. Or probably I'd receive severe conviction from all of you and I'd become more like Christ and not kick him in the face ever again. Right. But what I'm saying is everything coming into our life is there to make us more like Christ. 
So again, however long it takes, whatever it is, followers don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, Hebrews uh, 11.9, the next verse, look at this. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. Okay, so uh, uh, you guys went to go, you just got a new house, right? And, and Susan, you just got a new house? Yeah, you're working on it. You went to go live in that new house, right? Okay, well, guess where Abraham and then his future generations all went to live? They lived in, look at this. They went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Hey, what happens if you had moved in that house before you closed? Like you knew the house was yours, right? God had promised you. Man, I remember around Christmas time you were supposed to move in. And we were praying and it didn't work out, did it? But what happens at Christmas? Right before Christmas, you'd have walked in that house and you'd have set up your Christmas tree, thrown theirs out, put your stockings up, burn theirs, you know. And you'd have just moved in. Ah, God promised you the house already, right? But what was the problem? It wasn't yours yet. It was yours by a promise. It was going to happen guaranteed in the future, right? But it hadn't happened yet. So you had to be patient. You had to wait. How hard was that waiting? Oh, it was excruciating. Because I was praying for you every morning. From Christmas, you were supposed to close. And when did you actually close? Easter. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Christmas to Easter. Can you imagine having to wait any longer for something? <gasps> no, it is. It's excruciating when you're waiting on something like that. That's very similar. God promised Abraham the land. But look what happened. He didn't get it. He had to go living in it as a foreigner, knowing it was his. That would be like if they're like, yeah, dude, we're not closing yet, but you can camp in the backyard if you want. You can take showers in that cement pond you call a pool, <laughs> you know. But he lived in the foreign land. And it says living in what? Oh, Fernanda, how about when you were, when, when you were building your house over there where now we have, it's a lighthouse in that community. It's so awesome on Wednesdays to watch the community come together and hear about Christ. But how would that have worked if Terry's like, yeah, um, Abraham, hey, Sarah, we're, 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 we're not going to be living in a condo over in St. Lucie uh, in tradition. We're going to be living in a tent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so how did that work? It, no, yeah, I know, because the tent didn't have air conditioning. He gave, probably gave you some great tent options too. Do you understand? People didn't live in tents then. Everybody wasn't a nomad. When God called Abraham out, it, people lived in houses, and that's where their protection was. And there weren't cops that they could call. There was no military. It was, it was a dog-eat-dog world and everybody for themselves. And so the way you found safety was your posse. And as much as you could fortify yourself. So when God called him, his wife, his kids, well, he didn't have kids yet, and him and his wife and his job and everybody out, all his servants, they were now vulnerable. They were vulnerable to, every, to marauders. They were now wandering, had no place to call their own. They knew that in the future this was all going to be theirs, but right now they didn't possess it. And they were living in tents. Dude, I'll never forget. Uh, uh, this guy, Marvin, dude, I, got, I just got to tell you. Marvin Lancaster, he's an old cowboy at my first pastorate. And we camped out. He had never really camped out before because he's kind of one of the luxurious cowboys. He had an RV, I guess. But he... Uh, we were camping in tents, and we're laying there in the tent in the middle of Center Hill, Florida. Anybody know where Center Hill, Florida is? Dude, it's west of Webster. Anybody know where Webster's at? Dude, it's the most giant flea market on Tuesday, or Mondays that you'd ever want to go see. All right, so we're laying in the middle of Center Hill, man, in, in, in a pasture, and we're laying there, and Marvin looks at me and said, 
dang, what would we do if some guy just kind of walked up with a big club and started beating our tent? <laughs> I'm like, what? Where did that even come from? And he's like, what, what if a big old panther came and just wanted to claw, he'd claw right through here? You know, we'd, we'd be like a taco. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, where are you even getting this from? But you got to understand, that's kind of how vulnerable these folks, you ever be in a tent? Yeah, yeah, now Ashley's going to have nightmares when we camp and she's in a tent. She's going to be thinking, oh, no, the raccoons are going to get me. But seriously, raccoons are pretty formidable when you're in a hammock, right? Yeah, laying out there. Yeah, they are. And, and so, so anyways, they're vulnerable to everybody. And they're in a land. They're strangers. They're visitors. They're not even residents. They have no rights except the rights God gave them. They're living in tents. And was it just his generation that did that? No, look at the next. Who's that? Isaac. And how old were they when they had Isaac? Like 100 years old, right? Pretty much. You know? Uh, uh, 200 years old living in a tent, man. You looking forward to that, Christy? <laughs> that calling on your life, man? <laughs> and, 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 and so 100 years old there, um, Isaac, and then Jacob. And, and let me ask you a question. When they got to Isaac, did they now get into the promised land? No. no. Hey, and then Isaac, dude, he only had a couple kids here, right? And, and Jacob now was the, the chosen one out of that. And, and it wasn't even until Jacob that this whole nation got rolling. How many kids did Jacob have? Twelve. Twelve with how many wives? Four wives. Imagine what that household was like. <laughs> the family dynamics in that. And, uh, yeah, so uh, four wives, 12 kids. And, but did they get to experience the promise? Did they get to go in the promised land? No. In fact, it wasn't until they had second to last kid. What was his name? The kid with many colors. Tell me out the code. The favorite one. The one with the wife that he really loved. Yeah, Joseph, right? And they had Joseph. And Joseph got sold into slavery, right? And, and then Joseph later lived. He, he, boom. He was just a man who followed God's heart again. And it was Joseph who became second in command. And Joseph, actually, during the famine, was the one who got them into Egypt. Where for how long, how long were they in Egypt, Carl? 430, yeah, 400, summer, 400, 430 years they were in Egypt. So from Abraham getting this promise, wandering, wandering around, we're looking at probably, Seth, help me out, is it 500 years maybe? 500 years before, they, before Moses finally comes and gets them out of Egypt. Now that 400 years, that was just a workout program, all right? And that was where God was growing that nation from about 70 people to a couple of million and making them big and strong and preparing them to do the greatest miracle of delivering them and giving them their salvation from Egypt and slavery. Now, they're in the wilderness, or they, they, they come out with God, with Moses, all right? And pardon the Red Sea, all that, in the first month of the second year. So a year later... God says, okay, now you're my people. And in the book of Leviticus, he says, I'm going to teach you how to worship me now. And so in that month, he's teaching them how to worship him. Then he teaches them in the book of Numbers how they're going to be warriors if they're effective worshipers. And now they're supposed to go into the promised land. They're worshipers. They're warriors. They're supposed to go in. And what do they do instead? Anybody know? What do they do, Zane? Oh, yeah, they're like, God, you know, hey, God. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm kind of, God, I'm... From what I can see, God, we should probably send some folks over to make sure it's okay in that promised land that you told us was flowing with milk and honey and it was awesome as already ours. But God, just because we don't sort of trust you, we want to go check it out ourselves. 
So they spent spies, and how long did those spies stay there? How long did it take those spies to convince themselves that they could come back and there is no way that's where God wants us to go? How long? 40 days. Did they even need to go to begin with? No. But that's what happens when we're here. That's what happens when we keep seeing things from our perspective instead of ours. When we look at right here instead of the promise that's in the future. And so what happened? They came and they convinced, except for Caleb and Joshua, they convinced, the other spies convinced all the Israelites, we are like, help me out, we're like what? We're like grasshoppers, and if we feel like we're grasshoppers, everybody thinks we're grasshoppers. And God said, okay, grasshoppers you'll be. You're going to hop around the wilderness for how long? A year for every day that you doubted me in this. So, man, there's another 40 years. What are we up to now, Seth? About 540 years or so? From Abraham. How many of y'all are waiting for, been waiting on something, Christine? 540 years. And you thought three years. You thought Christmas to Easter was long. And it is. When our hearts set on it, we know that's what God wants. That's what makes this man so great. Is because by faith, he knew that following, in being a follower, he wouldn't know how long this was all going to take. When you're following in faith, you don't know where you're going and you don't know how long it's going to take. He never got to see what was going to happen. I wonder if you, Roger, I wonder if you're a small part of something way bigger than you that's going to come together in eternity and you're going to get to look back and see what your part was. That's why we do what God wants us to do right now. Code, you understand, man? You're just a teeny tiny part of something way bigger than you. Way bigger than you, man. But if you don't do your part, is it still going to get done? Yeah, dude, God's still going to accomplish purpose. But you missed being a part of something so supernatural that only God get blamed for. Dude, he's given us the privilege to be a part. But what gets in the way is this. Focusing on this life right here, just this life right here, and not remembering the promise. It's the promise we're going to find out that kept Abraham going in all of this. So by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as if he was a foreigner living in, Fernanda, say that word real loud, living in what? Tents. Tents. You sure you don't want to go camp? We're going camping in June. You wouldn't even go with us in, in, in Christmas time. We're going in June, dude. The bugs, man. Yeah, we're going down the Keys another couple of weeks. You want to go? I'll be here. Okay, all right. Next time, I got a tent for you. It's even got no seam, no seam, you know, proof mesh on it. At least that's what the people sleeping in them tell me. All right, so living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. But the promise means it hadn't come yet. So we got Isaac, we got Jacob, we got Joseph, we got Moses, we got the spies we got the whole nation of israel and once they finally died out then god took that next generation in and they now got to experience that promise 500 and something years later so again what's the first thing we know if you're a follower you don't know what's you don't know where you're going and if you do it's a good chance you're not following and i'm not talking about what you're supposed to be doing right here right now god's a god of order and he's going to give you plans and stuff here but just don't make them a sacred cow. And don't stick on them and stay with them when he's trying to kick you out of them. And so we don't know where we're going, but what else don't we know as followers? How long it's going to take, right? And so look at this. But here's what we do know. Oh, 
Followers don't know when they get. Yeah, followers do know when they get there. JJ was tired. He drove. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know how long. We don't know where we're going. We don't know when we get there. But we do know when we get there. Okay, everybody say that because just help me. We do know when we get there. You know, you know when it's time to move, and, and you know when it's time to do the next thing. You know when God switches it up, but we are going to know when we achieve that final promise. Look what this promise is, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. It says, for he, and who's the he again? Abraham. All right. Uh, he was looking forward. Hey, anybody looking forward to something? You're like, yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to you to shut up so I can go to eat lunch, man. No. I know none of you all are thinking that at all, you know, but I do wish you certain. How many of y'all praying for the rapture right now? I'm just joking. Look, for he was looking forward. What are you looking forward to? When you're only looking at this earth and this life, when you're looking at this little bit of life right here, here's what you're looking forward to. Whatever you can achieve or convince someone else to help you achieve. Whatever you can accomplish, that's what you're looking forward to. You're looking horizontally. And guess what happens? Your resources aren't enough. Anybody been disappointed because your resources weren't enough to accomplish what you felt you needed to accomplish? You ever been disappointed because you just didn't have what it takes? Because it didn't work out the way you planned it to work out, even though you had convinced yourself this is what God wanted to have happen. But when we look at it this way, there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of discouragement. What keeps us going, the best thing that will cure your depression is to get heavenly minded. As a believer, the best thing that you can do when you get discouraged, you get depressed, you're getting distracted, is to get your eyes focused back on the promise. He calls us pilgrims. What does the word pilgrim mean? Hey, Gary, I know you're not sleeping out there. What does pilgrim mean, bro? Uh, someone in search. Yeah. Yeah, there, is, that, is there a difference between a citizen and a pilgrim? Big difference. Citizen lives there. Where are you a citizen of? <laughs> yeah. No, where's your home, bro? Heaven. But right now you're a pilgrim. And you're not, you don't have a bad gig, do you? No, not at all. Right down there on the beach fishing every morning, right? And shoving kids into non-existent waves tomorrow. Yeah, but that's your pilgrim. But... But, yeah, dude, I will be high. I'm going to go grab you and drag you if you don't because you've got no reason not to. All right. But, but, but literally, man, so while you've got this gig going on your pilgrimage here, what are you, what are you supposed to be doing? Make, yeah. Thinking about that and our purpose for being here again is to make what? Disciples. Make disciples. So while you're fishing down there, bro, you're making disciples. You're catching fish, but you're being a fisher of men also. In all of that, that's our purpose. So Abraham, he says he was looking forward to the city. Think about this, how permanent the, the words are in here. He's looking forward to a city. Where is he living now? Intense, wandering, as a stranger. There's nothing permanent about where he's at. Uh, you know, how many of y'all are sick of moving and do not ever want to move again? Yeah, that's, dude, I, it terrifies me to ever think I'd have to move again. Because when we moved the first time, we, we couldn't even fit it all in two giant U-Hauls, man. And now we've been there 15 years. We're in a giant garage sale. But it's, moving's horrible. But can you imagine Sarah? Abraham's like, oh, yeah, hey, uh, uh, God just told Terry, go home and tell Fernanda, hey, we're moving. I know you just got it all Pinterest up, and it's all good the way you like. God told us we're moving. 
again. And we're moving again. And we're moving again. But you're two spirit-filled people, so I know you're going to follow God and do it. But are you going to be happy about it? No. no. <laughs> but that's what their life was. So can you imagine how forward they were looking to a city? They're looking to a place with some permanence. A city that has what? What's the next word? Foundations. Foundations. What does a tent not have? Ashley, you remember... Remember the time we were, uh, she was little, we were in the Keys, and went to, uh, I took her to the bathroom, it was storming down rain, man, and we went to the bathroom, I took her in the bathroom, we had fun running among the lightning and getting there, and then it was storming so bad, we stayed in the bathroom, and we watched the water come up on the tent, almost like six, seven, eight inches, and we're like, oh, it's a mess, and then the rain stopped, and we went back and found out that tent was bone dry, it was awesome, and consents will do that, but then... Eight years later, maybe, no, five years later, I took Emily and some of her friends to Disney to camp. And I said, oh, yeah, it's going to rain, but I got this tent, dude. This tent is waterproof. Nothing can happen. And so we set our tents up. We went to CeCe's Pizza and pigged out like all little like eight-year-olds want to do on their birthday or whatever. We went and did that. We pulled back in, and I saw the flood up, up outside the tent. And I'm like, yeah, don't even worry about it, girls. They opened the zipper. <laughs> Oh, it used to work. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine? You look at the words. Look what they're looking for. What's the difference between a tent and a, and a, found, a house on a foundation? Permanence. You understand this is not permanent. It would not take long for us to die. Dude, who's breathing for you at night, Jared, while you're sleeping? Because your wife's like, <laughs> she puts a pillow over your head, right? No. Who's, are you like the... Before you get, get, you warm yourself up, okay, I think I'm good enough to go to sleep and my lungs, everything will keep working now, all right? Anybody think about that at night? No, because God just keeps it going. How many breaths would he have to stop in the middle of the night for you not to wake up? Just one. He keeps it all going, man. This is temporary right here. So don't look at everything this way. This is a small part of your life. The rest of your life is all of this. And it's in Christ's hands. He's looking forward to the city that has foundations. Look at this. Whose designer and builder is who? What? Where is this city? Yeah, it's heaven. It's heaven. It's the new Jerusalem. <laughs> it's heaven. And heaven, so well, the difference between any city we have here and the city in heaven, what's that P word again I just heard? Permanence. How long is heaven going to last for? How long are you going to be there? How long is it going to be perfect? Dude, growing up in Orlando, watching it go from a cow town to what is before we left 15 years ago, you had to move every seven years because you would buy a house in a new neighborhood. And in about five years, people would start renting it out. And in seven years, six years, that same house now, the whole neighborhood was rental and your property value went down and you'd have to move to a new. There were no permanent neighborhoods. Dude, this is permanent. There's no permanent neighborhoods here. So my encouragement today for us is to see past this. Whatever he's got you in right now, you just the master of the lampstand's got you right where he needs you, right where he wants you. Make disciples right here. And if he decides to pluck you up and move you, man, praise God. Linda, did you have any clue that when he moved you out of San Diego that you were going to find a church that you, you still love us? Yeah, and she's, our, and she's our bookkeeping. Man, we were praying because all our financial people last summer moved. 
And the people who were left that were financial people were like, no, this is not what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, then who is? <laughs> but God was taking Linda and changing her job and picking her up and moving her to the next season and dropping her right here. Yeah, what a godsend, huh, Tom? And I look at all of you as that godsend of what God did to bring you here. So, man, wherever, man, wherever he's got you, right here, keep your focus on him. By the way, anybody know what kind of line this is? What, what, do you, what, what kind of line is this, Terry? What, what do you, it's, an anchor line. it's an anchor line. So, so generally speaking, what's going to go at the end of this right here? What am I going to put at the end of this? An, an anchor. Yeah. And you know what? Who is our anchor as a believer? Jesus. It's Christ. And so that's, otherwise, if I just throw this out in the water, woo, it's, it's going everywhere. It needs to be hooked to an anchor. And so while you're here, you've got to be anchored to Christ so that you can keep your eyes on the rest of what really is truly your life. Your home is in heaven. And he's only got you here for a little bit of time and for a specific purpose. Check this out, and I'm done. I've used this illustration. Somebody even made this for me. I've got it sitting in my office. I have a jar that has a whole bunch of beach sand in it. And then they got this little tiny vial, and they literally counted out 100 grains of sand, and they put it in there. And you know the illustration I talk about. If you take 100 grains of sand, and each grain represented a year of life, that's 100 years of life. Is that an old life? Is that a long life? Yeah. Longer than anybody in here. But the rest of the sand in the universe on all the other beaches doesn't represent eternity. But yet we keep living for this. We keep focusing on this. We get distracted by this. We get discouraged by this. And what Abraham, what kept him going, even though he was never going to see the final product on this side. And by the way, did Abraham ever get to see the promised land? When did he see it? He didn't get to go, but he saw it in the transfiguration. <laughs> but even though he wasn't going to get to go there, he stayed faithful because he knew he was a little part of something way bigger than him. And God has told us we're that ourselves. I want you to bow for prayer, if you would, please. Father, um, the question we really need to ask ourselves is, are we really following in faith? Because, Father, I know a lot of times when I'm following, and I call it faith, I sort of know where we're going. Uh, in fact, I don't even want to take a step forward unless I know where we're going. Um, Father, I'm guilty that sometimes i gotta, I got to know more information than you're willing to give me, and I even kind of make it up as I go. And, and, Father, I pray that you would increase all of our faith so that if you just said go, even go and be vulnerable the way Abraham was vulnerable, we would just go. Father, I pray that we'd have that kind of faith. You'd in, you would take the faith we have and you would just increase it. And we wouldn't have to know where we're going. Father, I know that there's times I've put you on a timetable. And um, if you're not moving fast enough, I get antsy and want to go do something else. And I know we're all guilty of that. But Father, please forgive us. And help us realize that, um, like Peter said, um, a year's like a thousand years to you. You don't really live on that timetable. But what we can say about you in time is that your timing is perfect. We can go back and see it over and over. So, Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that they're not sure where they're going, um, 
namely for eternity, that today would give them a desire they can't refuse and surrender in their life to Christ. And let them know they don't need to know anything more than that you got them covered and they're going to heaven. And they can learn the rest as they walk with you. But Father, for those of us that already know we're going to heaven, but we just are maybe confused at what's going on here, not sure where we're going, not sure what we're doing. Father, help us just take the next step. Ask you what you want us to do and do it. And keep doing that procedure, knowing that if we take each step you want us to take, we will end up where you want us to end up. No matter how long it takes. So, Father, if there's somebody here that's being impatient, tired of waiting for something to get solved, tired of waiting for something to get fixed, help them be able to identify with Abraham, who never actually got to see the solution, never got to see the final product. But his eyes weren't really on that final product. His eyes were on just simply pleasing you, doing whatever it is you called him to do, knowing that you had everything else under control, knowing that it was a promise you were going to take care of it, even if it wasn't in his lifetime. But his focus was on heaven and being able to spend eternity with you. It was by that faithfulness that he had that it was, he was considered righteous. Because if we believe you, we're going to do what you say. So, Father, I pray that you would help us identify with Abraham. I pray, Father, that you would um, just give each person here the, the courage, the guts to accept the grace for whatever it is you're speaking to them about. And, Father, I pray that we would follow you and we would be faithful. I pray for these things in Jesus' name.